Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sustainability Explored. Every week, this podcast navigates a new topic through interviews with the most disruptive minds in sustainability, turning their experiences working behind the scenes into actionable advice you can apply in your life, no matter your background. My name is Anna. I'm an environmentalist, sustainability consultant, and the podcast host of this very show. I'm very excited to welcome Rai Russell today with us. For those who don't know, no one knows, but Rai uh, suggested a guest oh, half a year ago that was uh, Gretchen Schimmelfenig, and we made a, an extremely interesting episode on sustainable future of cannabis. But with Rai today, we're discovering the topic of sustainable packaging. Packaging is a new topic on this podcast, and I really want to dive deep into the new technology he came up with, together with the team, I suppose, and to learn more about how this works. So Rai, the floor is yours. Please introduce yourself. I'm very happy to have you here with us today. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I can't believe that it's been that long. And just that's the power of online networking these days is, you know, we just were able, you were looking for a guest and, and Gretchen was the perfect fit. And then, you know, here we are and it all comes full circle, which in a global pandemic world is something that, that we need to do and something that we needed to do with not plastic. And I think we were really, I don't want to say we were prepared for COVID. I don't think anybody was prepared for COVID, but we were prepared. It's just you have to pivot and adjust so much in this space that when the pandemic hit, it was just another day, another new challenge. And we started to really look at our processes. And so what I tell people is that our company really has three main focuses. It's product development. It's obviously the petroleum-based replacements and then it's the mission of spreading kind of what we call our love with the world, which is not plastic, the reduction of petroleum-based plastics. So, you know, we want to help businesses that are looking to just make what they're making, but make them a little better using different types of plant-based formulations. We want to really make prototyping and product design more nimble and effective than it ever has been. And so we have started uh, prototyping in biodegradable formulations with 3D printing, which this is just an incredible innovation that we're really excited that, that we've developed because before, let's, for example, and for those listening, I'm holding a, a sample of one of our products. Well, we would have to print a product using a petroleum-based solution because that's all 3D printers knew. And so we needed to get more intelligent and more innovative and make these formulas. So when a client comes to us and says, hey, I have this product and I really want to make it not plastic, we can show them truly instead of spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and months or years to get products designed. So we're really excited for kind of the innovative shift that the pandemic has forced us to take. 
What do you replace the plastic component, the fuel-based component with? What is this packaging made of? Well, that's a great question. So what we use, our technology is primarily derived from corn. However, what we've found here, especially in North America, we know that hemp is an emerging market. And we know that it's a great tool for farmers from a productivity standpoint, just from an asset to some of these multi-generational farmers to have a new crop on rotation. And so I'm really excited and I'm an advocate for hemp as an agricultural resource, but being able to use that resource to then make bioplastics from, because corn is corn. We know, we know how that is. We know how it consumes water. We know what it does to the land. We know that it's not the future of not plastic. And so we're spending a lot of time right now looking at different extraction methods for cellulose from hemp. How can we extract sugars? What enzymes do we need? Who's going to fabricate the equipment for us? But there's so much opportunity in the hemp plant that just because we figured out where we need to be and where we're going with corn, we know that hemp is right there. And so that's where I'm spending a lot of my time personally, is working with farmers, understanding what their pain points are, how can we make that more effective? Because with any emerging market, if we don't focus from seed to sale efficiencies and supply chain, then my business isn't going to matter because I'm not the hero of any industry. You know, I am a problem solver. You know, in the cannabis market, for example, we're going to use hemp in packaging, but the retailers, they're the cool guys, the growers, they're the legacy personalities. So me being the packaging guy, I need to kind of find my, my little niche in between them and provide more value to the growers. And so they can say, hey, you know, our product, it's Product A and product B is different. We know that, but product A is now not plastic. So we want to bring that sales approach to the farmer so they can go to the retailers and say, hey, that might be a similar product between us, but this is going to be a differentiator. And then the retailer has that to then say to their customer. And so we bring that sales and marketing mindset of, I'm not going to just be a plastics company. I have to be focused on the consumer. Farmers, manufacturers, their consumers, retailers. Retailers need to understand what the consumer wants. And we believe just with the data that we've collected and in what we've researched so far, consumers are demanding not plastic options. So we're just excited to be a part of the research for this. I tell everybody as excited as we are and as much as we know, we know nothing. We know nothing. There is so much more opportunity. There's more opportunity in corn. But when you look at the hemp plant and you look at what we're going to be able to do, construction, plastics, all of it, uh, it's just... It, there's so much passion and excitement for me. I, it's overwhelming, really. <laughs> I know, well, corn depletes the soil with the hemp. And 
I will direct listeners right here to later on come back to the episode we had with Gretchen where she explains the difference between hemp and cannabis. For those who don't know, it, it's the same material, but it, the technical term is hemp. Is it the same with the soil for, for the hemp production? And another thing I don't understand, what do you use? Do you use the residual product of hemp or is it kind of a sort of a technical species of hemp? What do you use as a raw material really? Definitely. So I want to start with all hemp is cannabis, but not all cannabis is hemp because it's just a legal definition. At the end of the day, it's all cannabis. And there's some arbitrary legal definition on THC, so one compound of the plant, and it's bonkers. In terms of what the agricultural product does to the land, we know that farmers need rotation. And so I don't necessarily, and I don't know that we have enough research to say that growing hemp you know, all the time for years is going to be 100% perfect. We don't know yet. We haven't really done it. And so we need to be collecting that research, collecting that data. But having hemp, having corn on rotation, then you're going to be protecting your soil. You're going to, I mean, we know what hemp does in the short term. And so I think there's opportunities to, to do both. I would never suggest to a farmer to ever invest in, in one product anyway. In terms of what we use with the hemp plant in our production at Not Plastic, the answer is really both. So we're using waste and we're using plant right from harvest. And another thing that's, that's interesting about Not Plastic is we look at products as two, as two product categories. They're either plastic or they're not. And so with hemp, we're able to look at textiles. We're looking at all of these other product, product categories that people might not know that we're playing with because there's so much opportunity, cottonization of hemp. And so you can use waste. And I think that's the easiest right now in terms of making plastics or hemp paper really any product, waste is the easiest because most often all you're doing is using that waste as a percentage of a recipe. So a lot of times, and I've seen this, and this is frustrating, it's heartbreaking, but I've seen this on, on some of the social media platforms recently. A petroleum-based plastic company taking hemp waste and mixing it and then selling it to consumers as hemp plastic. That is not hemp plastic. And this is the type of stuff that really confuses customers, really confuses the public. So when we do things like this, we're not creating barriers to competition. We're not diversifying. We are not building this value that we might think we are. I, I really don't think they believe that. What we're doing is we're causing so much confusion amongst society that nobody knows what to do. I mean, one of our, our biggest problems, I think, is, is waste management. 
And that's really where Not Plastic comes in is you want to think of us as a waste management company. We're trying to make products that remove themselves from the earth because people don't know how to recycle. They don't know how to compost. We've got, you know, 17 terms for biodegradability, 40 plus terms for compostability, thousands of terms for recycling. Customers don't know. And so putting hemp in petroleum-based plastic, if you're listening to this episode and you're an audience member, know that's unethical. Know it. There is nothing appropriate about putting large amounts of fiber of any plant into a petroleum-based plastic and calling it eco-friendly. That's not eco-friendly. I also, real quick, environmentally friendly, eco-friendly, these terms scare me. And I think we need to be looking at, I try to make everything as black and white for people because there's so much ambiguity that a product should be environmentally safe or it's not. Eco-friendly is such a sticker that you can throw onto anything. Reclaimed ocean plastic is perpetuating a problem. It's not to be celebrated in the fashion that we celebrate it. And so I just want to caution the audience of different things like that, because greenwashing is all around us. And it's not something marketer to marketer that we have to worry about. We have to worry about what it does to consumers, what it does to education, what it does to waste management and all of this. So the hemp plant has this future because it's agriculture, it's textiles, it's waste management, it's biofuels. A plant like this has a lot of potential to disrupt a lot of industries. Yeah, that's true. One thing I wanted to ask you, I know that you are not new to the field of hemp and cannabis and working and education as well, people. You have your own podcast as well, right? Yes. So about two and a half years ago, I started a podcast called Weed Buds Radio. And it's funny because one of my first episodes, I was really nervous. I was nervous about the podcast. I wasn't new to, to media in any sense, but I had taken a little bit of a hiatus from social media, from the world. I had uh, some significant health issues that I needed to deal with. And my doctors started recommending that I evaluate cannabis as a potential supplement to my, my well-being. Well, I had no exposure. My doctors had no exposure and essentially told me that I had to go on that journey by myself. And so I said, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to start a podcast because if somebody makes a product and I get sick, somebody's going to know about it. Again, I was so... Not that that's not a concern, but I was so naive. I didn't even know how to go about getting a medical cannabis card or anything else. And so I called growers, I called retailers, and I said, hey, my name is Ryan Russell. I have this podcast called Weed Buds Radio, and I am going down this wellness journey, and I'm interested in buying product from you, maybe a little education, but I want you to know that if you kill me, everybody's going to know about it. And they were like, dude, come on. You just, they knew that my fear was a lack of education and exposure. And 
what was interesting is when I got there, I don't know that like it put me at ease at all. When a pharmacist of 35 years had one PowerPoint on medical cannabis for patients. So I was very concerned about that. And I had started my podcast to bring light to entrepreneurs, to policymakers. And the reason being is these people, I don't want them working in the shadows for two reasons. One, they deserve some attention. They're pioneers. They are writing a book. This book doesn't exist. There is no playbook. And they deserve some of that celebrity emerging market attention, in my opinion. Second, we know in emerging markets, when you allow entrepreneurs and policymakers to work in the shadows, it can harm our society. It happened in petroleum. We cannot allow that to happen in agriculture. And agriculture is so wide now because biofuels, the plastics, I consider all the anything that comes from our natural organic sources, we need to cherish it. And so I'm very concerned that if we don't bring a lot of exposure or attention to these conversations, that Main Street's going to be forgotten because we know that Wall Street especially in North America, has a lot of control over policy. And I think that an industry like cannabis, an industry like hemp, they're ready. They're ready to fight. They're, they rally. And they've been fighting for so long that something like sustainability, they'll fight for that. That is social justice. And that's the climate that we're in right now. It's hard to talk about sometimes, but Plastic issues are social justice issues. We do need to focus on micro causes in order to create change. But one thing I'm concerned about, again, kind of people working in the shadows, right? There's a lot of distractions right now. But there's conversations right now between lobbyists, lawmakers, trade negotiators, and world leaders that are going to impact the lives of civilians of countries that have no say in the matter. And that we cannot allow that to continue. And so we need to make sure that we expose everything. Everything needs to be as transparent as possible. But there's conversations right now. And I had posted a, an article on my LinkedIn page and definitely welcome people to check that out because it's disgusting. When you think about uh, some of us world powers, right, in terms of our policies, we have the ability, and we have the responsibility to do better, but we have the ability to impact so many lives, and we never have to look those people in the eyes. And so we can make these negotiations on what we're going to do with our waste. We're going to poison somebody else's land because we don't have to go over there and tell them that reason that their water is poisoned and they can't give that to their children is simply because Americans deserve to have fresh water. Ah, that, that is not acceptable, not in 2020, not in a world where we need to be working together, not, that's just not how we treat people. So I don't mean to go down, down that tangent, but these things are all connected is just all of this. And so it's, it's hard sometimes because you can get emotional when you really think about the consequences of what we're fighting for. 
So you started your journey because of the wellness improvements that you wanted to implement. And then what was the trigger to start not plastic? By the way, I really love how you use not with the K in front to say not, not a clue, no idea. <laughs> yeah. So how, how did you get the idea to turn your wellness journey, your podcast journey into a startup basically or a company now? Hypocrisy. It's all about reducing hypocrisy. So the more I explored the cannabis industry through my podcast, brilliant minds, brilliant leaders. And I tell people, there's individuals that have been on my show that will be Fortune 500 companies someday. This is an emerging market. So these valuations that we see right now, they're going to continue to grow, especially with legalization. So that's crazy to think about. And speaking to that type of individual, that type of CEO or policymaker, they kept talking about the hypocrisy of petroleum. And I said, what do you mean? What are you, you're putting, I, to me in my mind, I thought people knew this technology existed. You know, we're not the only one, you know, we have our formulations, we have contract formulations. Like there are people and scientists doing amazing work. Not plastic has brought a lot of those minds together, but they're out there. And so to me, it was neglect that these industries haven't started looking at plant-based solutions. So I figured that I had this platform in an emerging market with an audience of rallyers and not that they need something else on their, on their ticket to rally for, but when we start talking about social justice, not plastic, we're in. We, will, we want to be a part of this fight. And it makes sense to be a part of this fight from a global perspective. So that wellness journey led me to this like moment of why are we so hypocritical? And why am I waiting for somebody else to find the solution or to communicate the solution? Because if I just keep waiting, it might not get done. And that's happened to me a few times in my life where I think somebody else might be a better fit for that. Someone else should go save that drive-in movie theater. And then they don't. And so I, you have to take that responsibility. That's, that's it. I took the responsibility. I said I'm going to reduce hypocrisy in hemp and cannabis. And then it, it blew up. The concept of not plastic blew up. And if people understood how hard not plastic was to come up with, because on paper, it's so simple. It's not plastic. It's plastic or it's not. It's, it seems simple, but when we were developing some of these products, we struggled really bad coming up with a name because we wanted something that combats greenwashing, not plays into it. And so I spent about six months coming up with different names, different brands. And that's kind of always been my background in, in brand development for, for startups. I didn't know where to start. Not it. What is this? This is so innovative. This is so crazy. I don't know where we're going to start. And so I was going for a walk. I had, was in California visiting my parents drove into the mountains, spent two days there, 
like just nothing. I just needed to figure out what, what is this that we're building and couldn't figure it out to the point where like, it's crunch time. We have products. We need to introduce them to the market. We have contracts we need to sign. What are we? I finally, I just, I was so mad at myself, yelling, swearing, all of that, just maniacal entrepreneurial. I'm disappointed in you, Rye. And I went, got coffee and a bagel, and I'm just sitting by the harbor. And where I was sitting, there's giant trees. And I just, all of a sudden, I kind of just started yelling, like, that tree can be plastic. That grass can be plastic. All of this, that rock, that shell, we can turn all of this into a plastic. I, don't, I just don't get it. And I looked up and there was a bird sitting in a knot of the tree behind me. And I just, son of a gun. I like, that was it. I knew instantly. I just, I looked at that bird and I said, someday I hope that I can make a significant donation to bird conservation because that bird just created this. And I knew right then it's so sad. I was so mad. I was ran down to my, where my parents live. And I said, it's not plastic. That's it. Bird figured it out. I've spent six months trying to figure this out. Bird lands in the knot in the tree and has figured this out. It's just really special how all of this stuff kind of comes together. But yeah, not plastic as a brand, as a business. It's something that's come from love, that's for sure. The reason why we are sitting here today and talking is because I was already pre-sold on the idea. And I saw on Facebook, on LinkedIn, the very tangible result of your work. I want to say not plastic bags, not plastic packaging. How long did the research take? Still going. The research is still going. It's endless. So this, this particular bag was something where the formulation had been around and we needed to figure out something that we could do with the pandemic. And so the bag was not something that we were really focused on. The research had been there. The data had been collected. We knew how important bags were. But we are also trying to always look at the future as well. And so if there are other players that can solve this, then we can go to the next one. And I think that's what's special about Not Plastic is our mission is to reduce single-use plastics entirely. And so we don't need to make 6,000 SKUs. We need to help other people in other companies do that. And so we decided, look, you know, we don't know that we really want to get into that. We're going to focus on the higher density plastics, the containers, the things that might take a little bit longer to compose or to biodegrade. But we know that this is the, the bigger problem. Like, yes, bags, they will get beaten in, in harsh environments and they can break up a little bit. But bags are going to be a lot easier to break up than something like this, uh, a high-density plastic. And so when the pandemic hit and tool making went to nil, essentially, and everybody shut down, we needed to look at what we had available, what our partners had around us. And we, that bag was incredible for us in terms of kind of a, a product launch, if you will. So there's, there's still, every day, we're researching the next product. We're researching the next formulation. And so 
it's hard to say because our research is based off of 40 years of research and we were able to figure out the fabricating the and the enzyme approach what needs to be done for some of these things but there is no one mad scientist that can ever truly take claim to owning these technologies this is such a collaboration and shared expertise that yes innovators need to protect their intellectual property however we need to be able to create arrangements and associations if you will where we can share ip where we can innovate faster where it can be like a closed loop open source and so that's something that i'm trying to work on and build right now the infrastructure on the back end where different experts of disciplines can come together and confidentially share knowledge uh, because there, there's so much opportunity. You know, do we want a product to biodegrade in 12 weeks? Do we want it to last three years on a shelf, but then biodegrade a year in natural environments? These are all things that are still emerging. And so most of our products, what we do is we set a goal. What, when a client comes to us and says, I wanna make this product, I wanna make it better. I wanna make it not plastic. We have some parameters. And the first one is how long does it have to sit on a shelf? And then what is the expected amount of time that you want this to remove itself from this world? that doesn't always overlap with an entrepreneur's desires. There are some things where in order to accomplish this, the shelf life, we need to still use plant-based materials, but we might need to compost it at home. And when I say at home compost, where you have a little bit of an environment there to more rapidly break down, where micro organisms thrive versus bio biodegradable in our sense is you throw this outside wind blows it around microorganisms eat it rain heat all of this will essentially our goal is usually six months then you have commercially compostable which of course is time and heat and so there's this I don't even want to say there's a formulaic equation yet because there really isn't. It's a lot of trial and error of we need to increase, you know, this much fiber in order to accomplish the rigidness of the product. However, you go too far, then maybe it, maybe it has to be commercially compostable where if we reduce some of those inputs, then it could be biodegradable in six months. So the research is endless. It's, it's constant. It's for every product. It's for every formula. But at the end of the day, it's for every goal. So at the moment, the decomposition timeline is six months for the not plastic bag. Yes. So our not plastic bags are certified ocean safe. We've had these bags in particular tested by a few different organizations. And that's super important for us. We offer a not plastic certification, 
on our website because we want to encourage everybody to get involved. We want to encourage people and innovators to come to us as a knowledge resource because we've done the work, we've done the testing, we've gone through the process. And so we want to help companies, product designers, kind of go through that process because we now have figured out how to dial in those goals. So the not plastic bag, which is entirely corn based, that is certified for six months. And we know how awful the bag is to the ocean. It's one of the most overly polluted products. And so as much as that was kind of a COVID benefit, it wasn't it just blew up our business. We had no idea that the not plastic bag was going to be that exciting. But when we put that 30 pound dumbbell into the bag on Facebook and LinkedIn, it just, it had so many hits that people started calling. And we were at first a little nervous because we were like, you know, we, we just, we just entered this pandemic. You know, are we going to be able to find solutions to, to this increased demand? And luckily, we just have such an incredible team around us from engineering, product design, the prototyping services. We just have some of the greatest minds in the world that can help us innovate and, and make products to reach all of these goals. That's true. You know, you said uh, pandemic and COVID uh, a couple of times. I noticed that the policies that were under development to ban plastics, plastic bags in particular, started to backpedal since people started to use more single-use items for the hygiene reasons. And there you go. There you come with your not-plastic product. Tell me about the price. Usually the price for the plastic alternatives is higher and that stops people from from buying from investing and they simply take economically reasonable decisions not always unfortunately environmentally and social justicely reasonable decisions what about the price for the not plastic made of hemp so the pricing is something that we're always going to be working on one of our goals was to compete price-wise with petroleum-based products. So we never really did a cost analysis on plant-based or biodegradable. Our focus has always been that we cannot depend on ethics and the morality of decision makers uh, to make these solutions, and we had to focus on price. So for the not plastic bags, depending on volumes, of course, and all of that that we get into, the lowest that we're going to be able to get right now is about eight cents. And that's at very large scale, very large production runs. And the reason that we can't get to what some of the large retailers are looking for, which might be, you know, about four cents, is we have to look at the entire supply chain. So do we have the equipment on the cellulose side to be able to reach the capacity to do that. Then you add in the production of the finished goods. So I do not believe that we will ever be necessarily cheaper than a petroleum-based solution. I think there's three price points. I think that you have paper, you have plastic, and there's a third price point now, not plastic we won't be as expensive as paper-based solutions. We know that. 
but we don't know that in every application we're going to be able to be less expensive than petroleum. I do believe that we will be within seven to 12 points of petroleum-based solutions almost across the board within about 15 to 20 months. Mm -hmm. Right. To wrap up a little bit, one to three challenges you're overcoming right now or things you would love the industry in general to change to ease your, your way. That's incredible because there's at least three challenges an hour in this type of, of field of study. My biggest challenges are policy. We have to look at regulators and policymakers. If we assume that businesses are going to make the best decisions for society, they have a responsibility built into their job descriptions to shareholders of their organization, which is one thing that at Not Plastic we've been very clear about. We will not accept investment capital where our social impact is not our number one KPI. And so we're very clear, we're very loud about that. Number two, greenwashing. That's an ethical problem that is going to hurt people and it's going to cost a significant price way more than dollars and cents. Lastly, we have to be willing to share love with the world at the end of the day. If that's not our number one motivation, we're going to keep signing these unethical contracts impacting the lives of people that have no voice. And that can no longer be acceptable. So those are my three largest gripes. Are they my daily challenges in terms of a business owner or entrepreneur? No, but as a human of the world, those are my problems. Right. Finally, it was a great interview. I want to thank you so much. And more and more, I want to encourage everyone to go back to the interview we recorded with Gretchen. She talks in extensively about policy, about the changes in the society, about what the Institute does for clearing the way for cannabis and hemp to enter the market finally and replace plastic, at least in part. My last question, one piece of advice you would love to give to the listeners of Sustainability Export. Keep going, keep grinding. This is so exhausting and it's so hard. What I think is going to hold entrepreneurs and policymakers, anybody that wants to see a greener world, this isn't gonna happen tomorrow. And it's something that overwhelmed me for too long where I kept shutting down because I kept feeling so insignificant in this fight. I know I can't do this alone. And when I kept seeing these things happening, I kept getting discouraged. And then different opportunities started to present themselves. And what I realized is that there are other people who also did not know how to get involved. And all I can tell people now is to connect with me and we're building that army. We cannot do this alone. And if you're listening, you're probably one of those individuals that truly care. And so these, these topics frustrate you. 
if you're frustrated, then reach out because we've got to build this army. We've got to share our wealth of knowledge, all of us, because you have the luxury Anna, of being able to speak to experts. So you know a lot about so many different topics, more so than myself. I know these very niched topics, right? And, and I get very disciplined in that knowledge. But there's so many disciplines where we need experts and we need to collaborate. And so we are trying to build that community through Not Plastic where we can empower each other. I keep seeing these people taking their social media breaks. I've done it. Do it. They're just, we've got to keep supporting each other. So at the end of the day, share love, be kind, and connect. And this is the right time to say, subscribe to Sustainability Explored <laughs> and follow the news. Thank you so much, Rai. Have a great day ahead and keep us posted about the progress of your business. It's amazing. It was such an honor to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. Thank you so much for joining us today. This was Rai Russell from Not Plastic, K-N-O-T Plastic. And it was a pleasure having you here, all, all of you today with us. And I hope you loved listening to the episode as much as we loved working on it together with Rai for you. I hope you learned something new today and I hope you got inspired. You will take some action. You will reach out to me or I or both of us on LinkedIn, preferably. We are both findable, approachable, open people and very eager to connect always. If you like the podcast, you know what to do. Subscribe, leave a review. If you leave a review on Podchaser, I will be able to even reply to you in person. Uh, if you leave a review on Apple or somewhere else, I just hope I will see it, <laughs> let's just say. Reading your reviews always make me very happy, be it um, a listener's review or guest's review, That's, that always feels pretty amazing. What else I can share with you? We now have a YouTube channel. I invite you to check this episode out on YouTube and virtually meet myself and my guest. We have a Facebook group, we can all engage, ask questions, meet each other, guests, listeners, and um, hosts, and the team, production team. We have a LinkedIn page. I share a lot of updates on LinkedIn, so subscribe, follow me, connect with me as well. Challenge me with your questions, nominate the guests. You can maybe even nominate yourself if, you, if you're working on something related to sustainability in any industry in any country do reach out i feel like the world needs to hear your voice this was sustainability explored episode number 64 uh, season six and me your host Anna Chashina. thank you again for listening for being with us today and always and until next time next thursday take care stay sustainable <laughs>